Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Thursday, September the 14th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is my good friend, who just recently moved into his new house in Springfield, Illinois, Wes Reimnitz. Good morning, Wes. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? We're doing really pretty good, and I appreciate the email that you sent. It's by Greg Laurie, and he asks this question. Why do some Christians succeed in faith and others do not? And he makes this point that some Christians, well, they succeed in their faith, while others miserably fail. Why does it seem to run the race of life and how some can cross the finishing line with flying colors and others just collapse in a heap? Now, what is his conclusion as to why you have that difference in faith? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. He, he, he says because of choices, decisions that people make each and every day, it comes down to this. The choices we make are our choices, and the fact is that our lives overflow low with choices. From the morning, moment we get up in the morning till the time you lay your head down on a pillow, you have hundreds, perhaps thousands of choices to make. Now, he talks about, as a metaphor, when you go into a certain restaurant, well, what's his point? <laughs> yeah, he goes, his favorite hamburger place has a few options. Hamburger, fries, soft drinks, maybe a milkshake doesn't waste a lot of mental energy. I don't know what hamburger place he goes to, but you have to decide whether it's a single, a double, a triple, whether you're going to have tomato and lettuce, mayonnaise, mustard, ketchup. But it seems to me there's quite a few options there. Yeah, I've noticed that I, I enjoy going to McDonald's, but they really don't have much food outside of hamburgers, soda, milkshakes, and maybe a salad and ice cream, but that's about it. So once you make your decision, that's right. You, you can decide uh, whether you want to catch up on it or whatever. We went to Burger King and get a Whopper. And when I ordered it, he said, what do you want on it? And I found out you can have all kinds of stuff on the Whopper. Onions, tomatoes, ketchup, pickles, hamburger. And so I said, we want everything on the Whopper. It was two for $5. And boy, was that ever good. And a lot of times I didn't realize you could have everything. But that wasn't too bad a mental image to deal with but that's what he's talking about choices 
Yeah, it's simple choices. It seems like it doesn't seem to mean very much, but other other choices, it's everything. In fact, our choices will determine our, our destiny. I think he's a little... We're talking about sanctified living here. This is a very good point that you make, Wes. We're really talking about a Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit, either by baptism or hearing the word of God, and he moves from not being justified to believing in Jesus, becomes justified, and then lives a life of sanctification. And that's where the choices come in here on earth. And he's really correct. Uh, some choices are pretty simple, like what are you going to eat at a restaurant? But other choices can determine your destiny. You, you can see that young people today, many of them, are making choices. How is it determining their destiny? Uh, it depends on, on how they decide to carry out their spiritual life. Some of them say that they don't need to go to church anymore. Others are, are saying that they, they need to follow. I mean, it, it kind of comes down to how, how one decides to grow spiritually with or without God. Yes. And he says we must love, study, and read the Word of God. That's essential. It's a no-brainer. Now, I, I want to talk about what we spoke of yesterday in Proverbs as to choices. Solomon is talking about that he's looking at the world and he can make choices. I, I like verse 30 of chapter 24. He says, I passed by the field of a sluggard by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. So this is a lazy person, and he doesn't have the sense of the Holy Spirit. And behold, his ground was overgrown with thistles and nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. And then he says in verse 32, Then I saw and I considered it. I looked at this farm of a sluggard and I received instruction. In other words, I learned a lesson. And the sluggard was, well, more important with getting a little sleep, a little slumber, folding the hands to rest. And what happens? Poverty comes upon him like a robber and he needs like an armed man. So this is a person who may be a Christian, but he is not using the advice of the Holy Spirit in making proper choices. And I think the book of Proverbs is really a book all about, well, here are your choices. 
he talks about the Apostle Paul. He put pen to parchment in his lonely cell when he was in prison. And he did some thinking about his friends at the church in Ephesus. What does he say about that? Well, he was unsure of his future, of course. He wanted these men and women to succeed in their walk with Christ through, through the years, and he understood well their greatest keys to their success. In Ephesians chapter 6, 18, he urges the Ephesians and all of us to this day to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with the kind of prayers and requests with that in mind to be alert and always keep praying to the saints. Yes, and for the saints. This this is really important that prayer is really communication with the Holy Spirit. And so you may be faced with a choice. One is a good choice, the other is sin. And until you request from the Holy Spirit the ability not to sin, a lot of times you will fall into that sin because we are tempted every day. So what does God want us to be people of prayer for? Yeah, he wants us to pray whatever we're doing, publicly or privately, verbally or silently. Any position is acceptable. You can pray kneeling, standing, sitting, lying, even driving, which kind of reminds me, you know, did you hear the news about the U.S. Tennis Open with uh, Coco Golf? Yes, the woman who won the women's singles. Yes, and at one point she kneels down and puts her hand to her head in the chair, and she's praying. And did she get criticized for that? Oh, yes. She she should never have done that. Of course, I I have to think this has to be some unbelievers that are raising these, these things. That's a really good point you're making. You know, I was surprised that when the male won the singles, he did something that they don't mention. He made the sign of the cross on his body. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody yeah. mentions that. Yeah. yeah. One one person was really upset. She was thanking God for winning, this person said as though God was the one who had her win. And she wasn't thinking about what had happened in Africa recently with that earthquake that killed, what, 10,000 people just a few days ago. And so they could not understand how she could believe in a God that for her won the U.S. tennis. But I'll, I'll pray often when I'm playing tennis, when I did, or other sports. I'm not thanking God that I won, but I'm thanking God that he gave me the strength to continue through the game. Look how many people 
they're playing tennis and they have to stop in the game because they injure themselves. And, and that's why we thank God. Not so much because we won, but because he gave us the strength to endure. And that's probably something she was praying for while she was playing tennis. Right. I mean, you can pray anytime, anywhere, in the midst of any activity. Sometimes we think God will hear our prayers better if, if we're in worship on a Sunday morning or sometime during the worship service is held. And I'm sure that it's true that he does, but he hears our prayers wherever we offer them. And all that prayer is, is communication to Jesus. There's an example he gives about Daniel. Did he pray in a den of lions? <laughs> yeah, I found that interesting. I mean, Daniel's in the midst. He's up to his elbows in lions, and he prays. But also, David, when he was on the run from Saul, prayed in a cave and in the wilderness. And then there was Peter who prayed on top of, of the water. And also yes. in the water, he began to sink. And how about Jonah? Well, Jonah prayed from, from the stomach of the fish. Jonah's an interesting one because God tells him to go to Nineveh. He goes yep. away. He goes down to Joppa, down to a ship, down to the belly of the ship, and finally into the belly of a fish trying to get away from God. And then he he prays. So it yes. seems to us wherever we are, God will hear our prayer. Yeah, Paul writes to Timothy in chapter 2, verse 8, a very interesting motivation. What does he say? I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands. And this week he'd been kind of following along with the story of Joseph. I mean, Joseph had to be praying as he's going through all his trials, right? Oh, boy. Yeah, first of all, being sold by his brothers into slavery, and then the woman accusing him falsely, and then being in prison and, well, interpreting the dreams of the baker and the butler. But while well, the baker forgets about him, and then he interprets the dreams of Pharaoh, and after that, he becomes second in Egypt in making sure that enough food is kept for seven years for the want that they're going to have. And that brings his whole family from Canaan, living in Goshen, and gets ready for their departure from Egypt 400 years later. And prayer is involved in all of that. So, you know, and, it's, and it's interesting, his conclusion to his brothers when they, when they come and ask for forgiveness yes. is, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Yes. So you mentioned the woman who won the tennis championship, and she prayed in public after her win. And that was an awkward moment for some people. Do um, When you go out to the restaurant with your family, 
Do you pray before the meal? Oh, yes, we do. I remember when uh, our our oldest son Peter was was sitting in a high chair, and we were at a restaurant. And we bowed our heads to pray. He put his hands to his head and he prayed with us, and everybody was kind of somewhat astonished. But uh, uh, ooh, you know, here's a child that prays. Our our grandchildren. Whenever we're at, whether we're at a rest, restaurant or whatever, they bow their heads and we pray for the meal. And then he asks the question, but what if what you are doing offends or turns off the non-believers present? What should you do? Well, I, I, I still say you, you pray. Yep. And... And if they need to, if they're willing to talk it over, talk with them about witness. You know, that really does make a difference. Have you ever gone to a hospital where you have your member in one room, but there are other people in the room in different beds, and you begin to do a little devotion and you have a prayer for your member? And all of a sudden, one of the other patients, they ask you, would you be willing to pray for me? What has happened here? The Holy Spirit has moved their hearts. Yep. You know, and I found that to be the case when I they would I'd go to the hospital and there, there would be one next to them. I always included them in the prayers. You know, the guy would watch over them and heal them as well. Pray for the doctors and the nurses and things of that nature. So it was an all-encompassing thing. And I can remember nurses or doctors that were off to the side on the hallway hearing the prayer. And we say thank you for, for the prayers. Yep. He has other examples from the Bible. Uh he talks about how Nehemiah prayed the prayer where he was a counselor to the king of Persia standing in the king's presence when suddenly an opportunity opened up for him to bring up the plight of his fellow Jews back in conquered Israel. And by that statement and by that prayer, the question is, should he do it? Was he risking his life? What's the answer? Well, he didn't have time to go home and get to his knees and open up the window and pray to the Lord as Daniel had. He had only the moment to, to speak. And shooting up a quick prayer, he went to tell the powerful king everything that, he, that was in his heart. And the king responded with kindness and generosity. You know, it's it's interesting. He put it into the hands of God, and God moved the heart of the king. Exactly. So a lot of times, we can't say a prayer that doesn't properly distinguish the law and the gospel. For example, if you say, you know, Lord, I've got a problem coming up, but look how much... I have done works for you. I go to church. 
I read the Bible. I take my children to church. I talk to them about the Bible. I'm so good that I deserve to be rewarded by you. Is that a proper prayer? No. You know, that kind of reminds me of Titus chapter 3. But uh, when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not according to our, our works done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. So you know, when we pray, it's not because of the, our works, as, as Paul talks about it in Titus, but it's what God's mercy has done in our life. And the reason we pray is not only because God hears us, but he has a complete grasp on all of the details of our life, including maybe a million angles that you never thought of. There is, in a sense, in which we can pray continuously all day long. What does 1 Kings 17.1 say? Well, as long as the Lord of Israel lives before whom I stand. In other words, Elijah was aware of the fact that wherever he went, he stood in the presence of God. And that fact is that we should know that we're never alone. That's really important because we're getting a rise in suicides in the United States. And the main problem is that people feel, as you just said, that they are alone. And our message to them is no, they are not. God is over there and they can commune with him, have fellowship with him, pray to him and hear from him as they read Holy Scripture. So can you do continuous prayer? I don't know about you, but I do. When you're praying in the spirit, then, you know, you leave the house, you're on the road, wherever you may be, you know, God gives you the opportunity to, to speak with him. Yes. Paul gives us really strong words of encouragement from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. What does that say? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than a human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's really an important Bible passage because... This is how you experience God's peace, by thanking him for all he has done in his life. Uh, this is a good technique to use. Uh, I'll do that with youth confirmation. We'll maybe in our study of the Lord's Prayer, where we are thanking God for many things, i then have the students write down from your life what you would thank God for. And sometimes they do, well, I thank God for the pet dog he's given me 
or the pet fish that I take care of or thank him for the friends I have at school or for a wonderful mother and father. And this is a way to get the people to start thinking of all the things God has done for them. And that creates peace in their heart where they have no worries that they will not be going to heaven. Yeah. Or just before our broadcast, I always pray that God forgive me all my sins in Christ Jesus and that whatever I do and say with you on air be to the greater glory of his kingdom and reach into the hearts of those of our listeners in Christ our Lord. Yes. You don't want to pray with the idea that as long as I pray about everything, God will take all of my problems away. He doesn't promise that, does he? No. No. What does he promise? A better view of what's going on. He he reminds us that we're never alone. And he, he will walk us through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes. Now, sometimes God will take our problems away, which may be part of his, well, spiritual plan. But maybe he won't. And sometimes when we don't have our problems taken away, this is a way in which he strengthens us. He didn't take away from Jonah the problem of him going to Nineveh, but put him in a whale or a big fish, we would say. And the problem was still with him. Then he prayed, but he gives Jonah the ability to escape from the fish, go to Nineveh, And even though Jonah was not happy with the Ninevites because they were Gentiles coming to faith, God had used him to proclaim his message. Excellent view. And one of my favorite, all-time favorites is Joseph. As he walked through life, the problems that he encountered, he never lose sight of the fact that God meant it for good in his life. Well, thanks very much for this email that helps us to get a better view of what's going on in our life, who God is, and of course, who you are. And you are a child of God because of the cross and resurrection of Jesus. We'll continue with a law and gospel theme on tomorrow's broadcast. We thank Wes Reinitz for helping us out. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Till tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.
If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.